Oh, we're in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hey kids. Your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats from the world of music. And this week we have a special, special treat. Super sweet, special treat. Yeah, I like that. Super sweet, special (laughs) treat. We have an interview with Skeeter Enoch Thompson. Who is a legend, really, in the um, hardcore punk world. Yeah, the hardcore punk scene. DC-based. If you you know know anything about DC punk, then you probably know his name or at least you know the name of his band which is scream yes um we have talked about scream before we have we've talked in our about them in our nirvana episode yeah um because dave Grohl was their drummer for a hot second yeah but we did not come to this interview to talk about dave Grohl. no we came to talk to enoch and he had some wonderful stories to tell us they're so good. <laughs> you know, he got to sit down and tell us about like what the DC punk scene was like back in the 80s. And a lot of his childhood and his musical influences, how he got his first guitar, which, which is, is an amazing story. Oh my God, a chef's kiss of an yes. amazing story. The absolute best we've heard so far. Right. Definitely. Oh. And also his views about like growing up as a black man in Virginia mm-hmm. and how he feels about the Black Lives Matter movement that's going on now. Yeah. So a lot of really good, really poignant stuff. Some really good stories. Yeah. And uh, we're super happy that he is in our hometown now. Yeah, right. Which we didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> we came to find that out. A hidden treasure in our own town. So yes. we were super, super stoked that he wanted to talk to us. Yeah. And also, you'll probably hear in the background of the Zoom call... Uh, was Mary, his partner, yes, who has who th- set up this whole thing? Yeah, so shout so. out to Mary because she's awesome too. Yeah, they were they were both delights to talk to. It is a fun time, so we will cut our intro short so you guys can sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Mister Enoch. Here you go. Hey, so we're here and we are having a fabulous interview with Enoch. Skeeter Enoch from That's me. <laughs> from Scream, a fabulous hardcore punk band from back in the day and still around today, still making yeah. these acts. And yeah, you're still kicking it, which is great. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we figure, you know, 
let's have you on. We'll have a nice chat. You know, keep ourselves, keep each other company during these spicy times. Oh yeah, very spicy. <laughs> very. It is. Are we like spicy? Like a friend of mine had this band. That was a great idea to have a band called the Spice Boys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and they were actually quite, quite fun band. But he uh, got another uh, sad note that he passed away. But it was a great band. It was a great idea. I, I actually played a few, I guess, towards a few practices. They lived way too far out when I was living in uh, Sterling, Virginia, and they lived way out in Maryland, which is in the D.C. Yeah. area. Oh, that's that's very far. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like a 40, 30 mile trek. And I was like, no, no, no thank you. <laughs> I did two practices. And I was like, no, through by the metro too. I had to get. Oh, God, it was so terrible. <laughs> oh, my God. You had to take the metro. It wasn't even like you were driving. No, it wasn't. It was before I had a vehicle. Oh, my God. Nope. That's that's a no for me. Yeah, dog, the novelty sure. of that probably wears pretty thin. after oh, that off, so, And then it was during the winter, too. And we're in a garage. Like, oh. No, no, yeah, we're good. You guys I'm are good by yourselves. I was like, I love the Spice Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I love you from Virginia. <laughs> You're like, I will rep you. You come to a show yeah. out here. I'm there. Yeah. But no. They're really fun. They're great in the sky. It's like a ska. They're like a ska band. Oh my God. Well, there's your jam, man. That's my jam. I'm going to go yeah. look them up. I love yeah. ska. Well, well, now, see, it's it's such a, it's so many weird clicks, you know, like all in DC, it's a great ska like scene. Yeah. But they definitely, it's definitely like ska bands support each other with mm-hmm. orchestra, and uh, but uh, it, but the hardcore band, it's weird because the hardcore click and they come together, but only like it's usually they haven't shows that sit on the same nights. So yeah, difficult. Yeah, actually, I've I was really curious um because I don't know about you, probably you you to a lesser extent than me but i really didn't know much about like the punk scene especially the hardcore punk mm-hmm. scene till we started doing the podcast yeah. and I'm, like and as i've like learned more about like black flag and bad brains i'm i find the scene really fascinating because it's a lot of diy and you all kind of were in a group helping each other out like can you kind of elaborate on that and tell us like paint us the, next I mean, picture of the scene what do you mean from oh Back then, it was the DC hardcore scene. Yeah, DC hardcore scene was definitely like a small, small group, maybe like from suburban kids, right outside of DC. It's like the DC, Virginia, Maryland. It's called the uh, they call it the the Metropolitan DMV. Oh yeah. And Mm -hmm. at first, back in the early '80s, like you know, late '70s, I was just getting out of high school. So it was a sort of a garage, huge garage scene in D.C. Where, you know, you had to be 21 to get in the bars, or I think you could go if 18. I think you could, you know, everybody was very easy to get in back then. So the yeah. scene was very much just a lot of garage bands. And through those garage bands, uh, there were like bands like Raz and what, Nurses and and they were pretty much like New York Dolls, sort of like, you know, same sort of garage, sort of, not glam, 
what like sort of dirty glam, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> chunky glam or whatever. <laughs> and I was I was like just you know that scene. I was thrown into that scene, and our scene sort of popped off of that one. It was basically suburban kids and and you know street punks still in high school getting bands together and it sort of started you know sort of like what word of mouth and just you know just i don't know it's not like we heard from anywhere else but then all of a sudden we started hearing about shows downtown and they're actually like house parties oh yeah and we started to go they're actually in a row house so you know i forget how I heard about it through the the lead singer in Scream. His name is Pete Stahl. So he would take Franz and I to shows, and, and that's that scene was pretty much already happening. It was like a DC scene of it was sort of like a alternative kids. They were going to alternative schools, mm-hmm. basically, and also a part of an art community there in DC because we lived in Virginia. And so we sort of were lucky enough to stumble upon that scene. It was already started. It was, it was everybody did everything themselves. You know, Discord records was people were sitting shows up, making their own flyers. Yep. I mean, you got to, at the same time they were, like I said, there were the garage bands that were playing in the more established places, which were like uh, nightclubs, like called like the what the Bayou and. And like the wax museum and uh like psychedelia and places like that. But there was this underground scene that started to pop up because you know you had to be 21 to get into those places. Right. And you had to have proper ID. So it just got to be too much of a hassle going through the so they started to Some have house parties, parties sort of. Yeah. And there was an art community there, which you know, unbeknownst to us, but we heard it through word of mouth. I mean, there was no internet. But through word of mouth, and then we sort of stumble upon this great scene. because we had always we had our little garage band started to. Okay, so started, you guys were already playing at that point. We were playing. We no, no we, we were playing. We started playing about in like 1979. Franz and I, and and unbeknownst to us, you know, we were going to sh- everybody. We we're still in the music. You know, it was about the time when disco sucked. It was like disco suck. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so you want to be the exact opposite of that. Yeah. You know, then, like, you know, then it was the Sex Pistols. Sex Pistols. Yep. Of yeah. course, there was the Ramones, and people know about the Ramones, but the Sex Pistols were like the really, you know, because they were like, you know, sticking, you know, people were like spitting yeah. on each other. Oh, you know, yeah. Like, you, know, you had the Donahue show. So, yeah. So, all, so I guess across America, obviously, it started all over. But yeah. in our little area, we, you know, it was a music scene already, but it was a lot of metal already happening. You know, they had Journey, stuff like that going on. Mm-hmm. And there was bands. They had battle of bands and stuff like that. So in our, that, that's what was going on in our, so we, so we were, we would play these battle of bands. There would be bands that were playing like horrible versions of oh, like, no. you know, Ted, Ted Nugent, you know, Cat Scratch. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, like, no. Nobody, it was crazy because they weren't the smart rockers. Nobody was doing like ZZ Top, which is, which is great. <laughs> they were doing they Ted Nugent. Terrible stuff. I thought they were doing like Nugent, which was terrible. Oh no! You know, but you got these guys trying to act like Ted Nugent, and uh. they're from the suburbs, which 
they have the but you know Ted Nugent was very flamboyant, very yeah, yeah. out there. You know what I mean? Just you know, he was jumping off speakers and bullshit like that. Yeah, you know, in so, a moin you know, cloth. <laughs> and then I, I can't even even you know, and also you had like bands like Deep Purple and you know and like Sabbath and bands like that. The, mm. Like, but it wasn't a lot of bands trying to emulate yeah. Deep Purple and Sabbath. They were more of the glam, yeah, sort of pretty boy stuff. And so we, so we ended up like we we're scream. We were pretty much a garage, sort of like you know. I can't even the band, you know, sort of like the Animals, probably like mm. you oh, know, okay. like Eric Clapton and the Animals. We were sort of like we would. That's in fact, it was what we were more like. The you know, we did some Stones. We did Eric Clap. We did Eric Burton and the Animals. We did this band called Roy Loney and the Phantom Movers. We were doing those cover songs. So to these people, they were like, they've never heard. Yeah. They're used to living, listening to like <laughs> commercial radio stations. Yeah. You know, like you guys were arguably more into like the technically sound stuff than like the glam pop bam. Yeah. Music. I mean, like, then, then when we really started to get progressive, we, we started to play like, you know, the police and clash stuff. That totally makes sense. Like that's a good. So so we were we we went to like battle of bands. These guys we 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 had originals, but we realized because it was a big you know battle of bands is nothing but a scam anyway. Yeah, (laughs) people to come in the club, right? Yeah. So you know, other than when they didn't have national acts, because this place called Louis Rock City, so they would have national acts. They would have like Johnny Winter. Mm -hmm. Johnny Winter is like great. He I remember like. Three weeks before we'd seen Johnny Winter and he's all drunk and like playing, you know, Blue Nun and he'd drink a bottle of wine and he'd smash the bottle and have the neck left and he'd start playing guitar with just one neck and he'd drink another bottle and he'd smash it. Oh my God. His finger and he'd play slide with him. He'd drink another bottle and he'd smash it. And I was like, you know, that's when we were like, so we were like totally into that sort of gutter. That's what Scream was like. We're in the Allman Brothers and then we sort of evolved into, but all the other people were into like the really glam, glamorous stuff. And, yeah. And also it was just, so, so we thought we were the only ones really. So, you know, we, we always came in like second place because we were, we we're doing like the police stuff and people, you know, police had really dynamic stuff. Oh yeah. You know? We did Especially the earlier early stuff. Police. like Yeah. The earlier stuff, like, you know, can't stand losing it. Like, you know, next to you, like, you know, <laughs> It's like stuff that makes people, you wait, the police were punk. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, but it was so because, but these people had never heard, you know. Yeah, they only been probably like a few people in the audience. Say, if it was like a hundred, because mainly high school, and yeah. it had this big rivalry. You had, you know, you had the freaks who would yeah. listen to like Zeppelin, then you had the blues people who would listen to like, you know, BB King, let's say, understand it, but then you have like the prog rock people. Who could listen to like Frank Zappa? Or like, you know, so so you have all these different, and then those bands couldn't really hang with the musicianship. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was too much. And but we could handle like the police is very straightforward. So we came off very good. But then you know we're like we're going to shows in D.C. Just we're going to bigger shows. But then you know Pete, who was older found the art community he was also because he he was in the poetry and I guess and more art he was you know an older cat so he okay. started to do these uh, these shows and like I said at the row house row houses where we met like 
we saw, you know, we saw like bands like Teen Idols, and I don't know if you ever heard of these guys, but Teen Idols, SOA, Bad Brains. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just all these great, you know, bands. Yeah. Every weekend it would be another band. You know what I mean? It's like ah, oh. but it was at this one place, and then we sort of, you know, we started to mingle and meet people. But as we met them, we started to notice that they were like, you know, they were recording, and everybody was passing out these, you know, first it started out with cassette tapes pretty yeah. much. And they had their own cassette tapes. And, and then then I remember finally after about like two or three years of going to shows, just basically on weekends, that we just got out of high school. I think Franz was still in he was a senior year and I'd been kicked out and saying Pete was already working. But uh we ended up seeing that, you know, we're going there and then We'll go to selling them. We see them selling records, and we're like, "What the heck?" And we start. I started talking to you because you know we had sort of befriended a couple people who were they were more hip into the city because we came from Virginia, just mm-hmm. us four. Yeah. And then we started slowly, you know, crept into that scene. Which you know, people were making records and and you know selling amongst the other. Bands and we're like, whoa, they're they're recording and making records. What, <laughs> what about it's us? Like, Can we start doing that? It, oh, no, so then, then we like started. We sort of like. We luckily we you know started to meet people. We started to, you know, uh, have our, have shows or get in on shows because mm-hmm. they try to you know they knew they were having shows in this place called Woodlawn, and they're actually getting bands from Virginia, and getting bands from DC and getting bands from Maryland. So, and also national acts like DOA came through with Joe Grafer. And so everybody's like, oh my God, DOA. <laughs> I was a, I knew nothing because my big band back then was like probably Parliament Funkadelic. Oh, yeah. Know? So I was like more into like the early, early, you know, Parliament stuff. And it may, I wasn't really into the whole rock scene, but Pete and those guys were into it. I you know, slowly started paying more attention. As you know, start getting into the fashion and I guess the the attitude of it. Of yeah. Punk. So like, was it because you guys went from kind of like more mainstream kind of rock and like slowly eventually evolved into well, hardcore punk? Was, it, it, yeah, yeah. It went from definitely from like we're totally. I remember when I first picked up a guitar, I was like, I wanted to be Hendrix, you know? Oh yeah. Guitar player. Guitar Hendrix player. is amazing. Yeah, and Franz wanted to be like Dwayne Allman. So we were like, yeah. So he was like all in the Allman Brothers. And then we sort of evolved into that whole uh, sort of, what do you call it? Uh, sort of like the fusion jazz. There was a period where it was like the whole, like, what do you call it? Uh, like Little Feet was like a lot of those sort of oh, yeah. bands are really big. Little Feet. Yeah. And, and maybe Weather Report and bands like that. And we're and John McLaughlin and and we were into that, but that was like so, you know, you're playing guitar, you're just a strum bum. And then you got, you know, like Larry Coriel and John McLaughlin. <laughs> it gets so a little boring do, for those people just strumming along after a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just you get so intimidated, you go like, oh never, you know. <laughs> so, but then you then you sort of get wind of people like, you know, Elvis Costello, you know, like, or even, you know. You know, you know, the Ramones, for instance, great. You hear oh, yeah. the Ramones, you're like, I can do that, you know. Yeah. yeah, that was actually their whole kind of how they started was they thought 
we don't have to be like making jimmy page guitar yeah. solos we can still make yeah. great music yeah. just strumming well yeah then you know then i started to like then you know my my stepdad who I really respected his musical taste he was into like west montgomery and my mom was really into like uh elmore james and stuff like that so i was really into like a heavy blues influence but then yeah. you know then west montgomery my stepdad was all into jazz so i had and that's what I was trying to explain to people. I was like, I didn't really get, I think the first music I was into personally was probably like, you know, like just top 40 stuff. You know, I was like a kid just, you know, stuck on the radio, you know. Yep. So I was into like a lot of doo-wop and a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, Four Tops, Temptation, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Supreme, but really into Motown, oh, yep. Nick, stuff like that, you know. Yeah, my mom would have these, you know, I was told to tell. My mom would have these crazy. I always grew up in a do-it-yourself environment. The black community I grew up in, they would have, we had like our own street numbers and they had like card games. We had our own gambling like community. Yeah. And, my, and my uncles and stuff were played blues music. And my mom would sort of, it wasn't like, it was sort of like a gambling house but not, it was, you know, my mom. Unofficial. Yeah, unofficial. I mean, it's weird because they were, like, the community, when people didn't have, when they couldn't make their rent, Some a lot of people, did, luckily, my, my godfather was this guy named C.B. Hollum. He had enough clout and money in the, in the neighborhood. To, he had his own house. Mm -hmm. and, you know, he, he owned his house. He owned his own property, bought property. But most people were, like, renting, so... Mm -hmm. When they couldn't make the rent, Mr. CB would have let them have a rent party, oh, you know, gosh, at the house. Shit. So people they would have when they like, you know, sometimes it'd be a waistline party. Sometimes they'd have cards, and they'd sell like, you know, sell like chicken dinners or fish dinners. But during this whole time was always this plethora of music, you know, constantly. Yeah, that's so, really know. that's a nice correlation between your background and the DIY punk community because yeah. it's just everybody helping each other. Like if you don't yeah. have something, somebody's going to help you out and give it to you. And there's nothing yeah. more DIY than that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And that's the thing. It was like a community like based thing. And that and even like because we're like it's even the whole like you're asking about the how the D the D DIY was a dear I'm dyslexic. <laughs> it's okay. Wow. Too many letters. Yeah, there's yeah. <laughs> yeah. a self sort of thing, and uh, we and I sort of stumbled into, like you said, it was like just part of my culture growing yeah. up. And I think you know, and when we started, even recording and stuff, it was all it was a community of meeting people, you mm -hmm. know, underground meeting people, oh, see, seeing you know, either at a record store. And you're looking in a record band, you're looking at similar stuff and you start talking mm -hmm. or you're at a show and you bump into each other either in a pit or, you know, or, or, or just at a show and you see, you see the same people at the same show and you finally, mm -hmm. first you start off going, Hey, what's up? And then you, <laughs> all of a sudden you see him like getting in a little bickering thing with somebody <laughs> about a band and you're like, I like that band too. <laughs> Like I remember most of the stuff that's what I was getting to, like the first, you know, most of most of the music I learned about was from the scene and just different bands and in the scene and passing around tapes. 
and then you'd start to go from DC and then start hearing about the Pro Mags and maybe and you know even before it was the stimulators really mm-hmm. uh, with the another New York bands and then Philadelphia bands growing. They start to go, man, you got all these bands up and down the East Coast. And then you go, oh yeah, it's also goes coast to coast. Or, oh, it goes across <laughs> the, oh, yeah, it goes across the water too. So it was it was pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. before you know it, you have connections everywhere, little dots Every, along mean, the map. I didn't even really like people would say like the whole Discord thing was pretty unique mm-hmm. in the sense of, you know, uh we were pretty much doing everything. You know, like portable studios, whatever, yeah. four tracks and horrible recordings. And <laughs> and then and we we're just used to just turning everything up loud and just recording it off cassettes or whatever. We luckily we had a mic with the cassette player. <laughs> and, you know, you go to an actual studio, which, you know, uh, in her was, you know, we're separated. You start to realize, whoa, this is. A whole different monster and yeah playing live and, but you had to i mean it was really good because you actually had a hands-on where everybody you're like every every recording was a learning experience but everybody you were totally involved the whole time i mean i, I would get kicked yes. out most of the time <laughs> <laughs> for meddling too much well yeah because i'd be all over the place you know? like, yeah. i want to want to have a you know want to have a a phase shifter there on my guitar or my bass, and they'd be like, Well, you should have recorded it like that. Oh. You, can't, you can't do it now. And I'd like, oh, oh, be like, D9. I'd be, Yeah, and I'd be like, Dad, come on, like, get him out of here. Oh, no. You just, you know, because they're like, back then it was like a whole bunch of wires everywhere, and people, yep. wires would go bad, something would go bad, you know, something small, the tape wouldn't, wouldn't be moving right. So, They'd have to smack it or something. They'd have all these little quirks, and and you'd be, I'd be like the little. You ever seen that cartoon where the kids like, "Hey, Mister, what are you doing, Mister? What are you doing?" Yeah, and, yes. totally, and I'd be like that guy, you know. They'd be like, "Would you get him out of here?" He's asking too many questions. You know, I would just, you know, like I'm doing now, just rambling. <laughs> You're not rambling at no. all. No worries. Um, actually, I think I read somewhere. Uh, your scream was uh Discord's like first release, right? Or I think it was the first full length. Full length. That's it. Yeah, full length. They 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 had put like they had came out with a couple. I think they had a flex your flex your head compilation. I think was first, Mm. and then they had uh Teen Idols. No, I think Teen Idols was first. SOA or somebody. No. Yeah, that's what I mean. But first they were putting out like EPs, like of bands like SOA and mm-hmm. uh, State of Alert, and I think it was a minor threat, of course. Yeah. They were like singles, there, but we were the first full-length actual album, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's... You guys were like, your EPs are cute, but would you like a full-length? Here you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, well, it was crazy because at least from my perspective, uh, you know, the band's like Teen Idols and the other bands, they weren't together as long as Scream. Mm-hmm. Even at that point, like Scream started like in 79. So did all these other bands probably started 78, 79, Minor Threat, 
you know, SOA, GIs. I don't know if you heard any bands. No, yeah. Understand. Couple of them. But they, but they didn't let most, like, Mind of Threat probably lasted maybe four years altogether. Oh, yeah. They had a pretty short run. Yeah, and they would break up periodically in that. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and it, for whatever reason, I mean, I didn't really know the politics of what it broke up, but, you know, being in a band is like being in a relationship. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And all these bands were like, they'd come and go pretty much. And, they, you know, and, and it was a lot of great, you know, collaboration with the bands. But we were together the longest. And so we had, and we had been writing like the whole time. Mm-hmm. And these wow. bands, and I think, another thing we had advantage, we, we lived together, you know. Oh, and, that Those guys, an advantage or a disadvantage. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It was kind of, it can get kind of incestual. It can get kind of crazy. It gets yeah, like kind of, we're all alpha males. After, we didn't all, Kent lived, the drummer lived, but we lived in the, you know, within two miles of each other. Yeah. Worked together. Franz, Pete, and I worked together off and on. That's- Kent, Franz, Pete, and I. I That's mean, asking we, a lot out of a friendship. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty. That's what I mean. We we're, it, but we, it was because we Kent and I have known each other since we were in second second grade. Oh wow! The drummer and I and uh, Franz met Kent, and I met Franz probably around seventh grade. So oh wow! Like, so you guys have been buds since way back. Yeah, it, it, it was like it, yeah, and we. We definitely came from two different, you know. I came from more like lower, lower middle class, I guess. From, and he was like more middle class, upper middle class, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was Kent. Sorry, but we're all problem cho- children. <laughs> bonded by yeah. bonded by troublemakers. <laughs> yeah. Back it in, yeah, it doesn't matter I what you're. I was in the sports, and they they were, and Kent Kent was into like hockey and. I was in all like the usual, like you know, football, basketball, and baseball. And Kent was pretty much in the hockey, and Pete and Franz into like the American sports. But they're they're pretty much like you know, or just like music jarheads, like music. <laughs> jarheads. I don't even know how to explain it. Really. It's just music was like that one thing that you're all like, yeah, but like this is we all get cool. this. Yeah, this yeah, is what we yeah. all get. I mean, you definitely. When he, I remember because even Kent and our t- our two neighborhoods, we had these woods. We somehow, you know, because kids had nothing to do back then. We'd go in the woods. Our parents would be like, "Don't come home till sundown." Yep. Oh like, yeah. And woods are like the house. So we, woods are we perfect for kids that have nothing else to do. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> they come from. We would make all these back. little forts. Yeah. We yep. would make forts. We would make forts pretty much out of like a lot of crazy stuff like cardboard fort. Oh my god. But Kent and them can't can't yeah tires whatever junk stuff <laughs> mattresses. Yeah. Until they get all wet and moldy. Oh. But uh <laughs> but Kent and those guys they were like they would get like wood and stuff. But then because they were like then because we started like robbing you know the uh like all these developments started to pop around. Mm-hmm. So people were taking like you know plywood and two by fours and yeah, planks of wood, and we and they we were building up because the woods were like pretty thick back then. Yeah, but I mean, if they're not using it, 
take it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. If they, if it's yours now. Finders keepers. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, it was, yeah, it was, it was so <laughs> bizarre. But see, sometimes we end up like coming across other people's uh, fort. Mm-hmm. And we did sort of squat or whatever. You take. Oh my God. But it ended up mingling. We ended up like, we didn't fight over. We ended up going like, ah, you know, we just sort of moved on to the next kids. fort. No, we'd end up like cohabitating together in the fort, like <laughs> oh getting God. along as, as long as no bullies had. Once in a while, it'd be some jerk come around and try to like push us around. But we, we actually got along a lot better. We were just. Wow. So, so you guys knew you could live in a home together because you were already living in yes. forts together. Yeah, we were already like like pretty sneaking away. You know, we were like, you know, pothead or whatever, drinking, <laughs> dealing beer and stuff, and we we'd sit out there for hours sometimes. And also, childhood friendships have some way of kind of making it through a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So I still have friends that I made in kindergarten. So. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what happens. They will always be my friends. Yeah, exactly. So you can build all the forts you want with them. They will still be your yeah. friends. <laughs> yeah. You can squat in all the forts. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Take some of their stuff. <laughs> uh, boy, boys are always a lot more reckless, though. Definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember we would have rock battles. We were like, hey, you know, instead of playing oh, cowboys. Just throw rocks Indian, at each other. Well, yeah, we just gather rocks. <laughs> You're on that side. I'm on the side. <laughs> And we oh, like, yeah. you know, that's the most rock. dangerous game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We're a lot more uh, free spirited. Yeah, I mean, like, like it was amazing. Yeah. So wait, when you were you started playing music when you were a kid, right? Started playing, started playing like on very you know elementary, but I started playing actually guitar. I guess I was fifteen. Oh, okay. Fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. What got you into it? What made you be like, nah, I want to be a guitarist? I saw, well, I was, I was totally going to be like, I wanted to be a professional athlete. I, it's the only way I, you know, it's the whole thing, getting out of the ghetto. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I was like, you know, and I was like, uh, how am I going to get my mom? I didn't, you know, I wanted to be an architect, of course, but you know, you know, when you take these SAT practice or whatever it was, oh. it mm-hmm. sort of discouraged you yeah. to be anything else. It's sort of like dream killer. So yeah. Anyway, uh, I wanted to be architects and things like that, but I ended up uh thinking I was gonna be, you know, just total uh, you know, in the sports. But I saw this Hendrix movie oh. when I was like 14. In fact, this friend of mine and I were talking about this on Facebook. It just came up. It was a Hendrix movie. It was like uh, a documentary documentary Hendrix and uh, and I remember I think I was like fourteen or fifteen. That was like fourteen, and uh, and I just saw this movie and it just it just blew me away. It just changed my life, and I was like, "That's what I want to do." Yeah, I was just going around like Foxy Lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you're gonna be anybody, like be as Jimmy far Hendrix. as the talent goes, definitely be uh, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Oh, it was just great. I remember the first opening scene is a black and white of him playing uh i think it was a uh, tomorrow or just yeah so it's playing purple haze a black and white in england and mm-hmm. he's like all shy at first and then it shows him like a year later and it kicks in a full vivid you know like mm-hmm. technicolor oh yeah he goes, he goes tomorrow first it's like 
He's all shy and angry. Black and <laughs> Tomorrow or just the time. Yeah. Tomorrow. And he's smooth, Jimmy. You know, it's like, oh, oh my yeah. God. And it's just like transformation. Yeah. And so what's the word? Visceral. Just, I was yes. blown away. So I never, yeah. oh, and I never yeah. looked. I mean, I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. And that's how I actually, and my first instrument was a guitar. And first, my first guitar was my, my actual, my baseball coach bought it for me. Because really? I actually, yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? And it was like, it was really, he was like, so I played Little League Baseball and I was pretty damn good. And uh, I had a baseball coach. He actually, he owned a few banks. It was like, well, he didn't own, but he's like a president of a bank. And oh, it, yeah, and yeah. Branches and he was our sponsor of our baseball team. You know, gotcha. I mean, so then I went up to Babe Ruth, which mm-hmm. we go from Little League to Babe Ruth. Yep, I do he remember follow, I mean, because I was pretty good, like I said, and he he followed me. He had kids, too. To, he had a son who was my age, and he was going to Babe Ruth with me. So he was our coach, and and Ed, his name was Ed Fellows, and he was our baseball coach, this guy. Mm-hmm. And so he followed us up to Babe Ruth and everything. Unbeknownst to me, this whole time, him and the other parents had been betting on the games. You know what I mean? What? You know, I, I didn't know. We were kids. You know. kids so we're, and we're pretty that. competitive kids at that. <laughs> but, you know, you got to realize, my mom my mom worked all the time, so she didn't never, she never came to the game. Mm-hmm. I was naturally competitive, you know, but just that. But, I mean, but the other kids are pretty much being, you know, goaded by their parents, you know. Because oh, my they, God. They're monetarily invested. We we talk about this stuff later, you know. But uh, unbeknownst to me, you know, we had a championship game. My 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 last year of senior of of Babe Ruth. Mm -hmm. You play till you're 14, I think, Mm -hmm. and then you go to senior Babe Ruth. Yep. Ed Fellows, it was like you know championship, and he had his feet bet. Obviously, I didn't know. And he was like, and we're playing, and he was like, I gotta win this game. He's like, I really wanna win this game. I got I'll do anything, anything you want, you name it. What do you want? You name it. I said, I want a guitar. Oh. And he's like, What? And he goes, Yeah, I want a guitar. He's like, Yeah, okay, I'll get you a guitar, but you gotta win the game. And I go like, and uh, because he just thought it'd be like 80, 90 dollars, right? And I was like, <laughs> no, I want a Fender Stratocaster. <laughs> Stratocaster, and he was like, "What's the Fender Stratocaster?" <laughs> Back then, you know, and I said, it's a "Guitar, it's just the best, one of the best guitars." He's like, "I tell you what, I'll buy it for you." He said, "How much is it?" I told him, "Probably like, I thought it'd be like six or seven hundred bucks for a thousand. Oh, and he said, I, "I tell you what, I'll buy it for you, but you got to do here's a, you got to win this championship game. You have to trip, hit it like you have to pitch a no hitter. No, I think he said a shutout or something like that. Wow, and you have to, you have to hit a couple home runs or a home run i ended up picking like a no hitter I hit like four home runs so needless to say i got the strat he bought me a strat you I got, wow you an adult bribed you to win a re, like a, a better well, actually, I, I bribed him yeah he you like, like hustled oh, him true. You hustled yeah him. i'm like, more you hustled just him. Get a bitch ass guitar you got the guitar i got a fucking yeah i mean the stratocaster i got it was fucking prime somewhere there's pictures of the strat and actually, it was oh on Facebook God. the other day. Somebody posted it. It was like hilarious. But uh, yeah. This is the yeah. best 
how I got my first guitar story we've guitar, encountered yeah. so yes. far. I don't know if anyone can top this. Yeah, it was it was freaking really, and I got and so I went from there. I got that strat. I mean, we and it's funny too because I went right from the game. I still had on my uniform, still was wearing my cleats. You know, I didn't even have my tennis shoes on. Wearing my cleats, and we went. You know, we had looked up this guy <laughs> in the Washington Post. In the one ads, I found, you know, found a friend of Stratocaster and the guy was like, you know, talked to him on the phone and the guy was like, yeah, we no checks, man, I want cash. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, we got cash. And, like, <laughs> and the guy was like, yeah, here's the fucking address. He just gave us the address. Wow. And it was like, you know, I, and at the point, at that time, I didn't know how to play one note, you know. I you went, had the best guitar. You had the best guitar. You I, gotta I, I, learn. I did know. I, I did know how to play. Of course, "Smoke on the Water." Yeah. Franz and I have been hanging out. Where I knew how to play "Smoke on the Water." <laughs> 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 and then you're like, yeah, I don't know how the rest of this goes. <laughs> yeah. So I went, and I, so when we got there, he said, "You want to try it out?" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so I sat there and played "Smoke on the Water" to this huge Marshall. I remember, yeah. And then I was like, oh I, I was so blown away too because a guy played before me. I was so intimidated. And you just pluck smoke on the water, right? <laughs> yeah. He said, you want to try it out? And I'm like, yeah. Kid in a baseball uniform. <laughs> yeah. 14 years old. Just, it, was, it was great. But oh. yeah, I mean, those are the memories. I don't know how we got all of it. Yeah, that was childhood memories. Childhood. Now you have an amazing. How you ended up with an amazing guitar. (laughs) That Uh, was great. (laughs) Didn't didn't happen. Yeah. So I guess happen to many people. Yeah, it doesn't. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) It's a one of a kind story. (laughs) Um. So scream. You guys were together for well. So wait. So you guys started in '79, but you did break up for a bit yeah well yeah broke up i left actually a few times screen started i guess in in 79 and uh went on you know stayed on discord pretty much ended up touring a few times Mm -hmm. to europe and doing american tours and then uh you know we ended up I don't know if you know the whole story, but we ended up can't the original drummer ended up leaving for a while. We ended up hiring Dave Grohl, yeah, for a while. So and he was with us till like eighty nine, and then I I, I sort of I had been having you know, I I kept quitting. I was having like we we're having definitely differences of what do you call it like a marital issues, marital definitely. <laughs> Definitely murder. It was just like so many. It was everything. It was. It was like it was so crazy in those days with everything. But it was mainly. Wait, were you guys all still living together? It, it was mainly because of that. It was like delivering. Yeah. We're living Ooh. in the same area. Everybody had. Uh, I think it was weird because, uh, and there has been a couple, you know, breakups with not of the band, but in relationships within the band mm-hmm. there was a lot of toxic toxicity going on there yeah. uh, i ended up uh then we ended up i ended up moving to toronto for a while oh, wow that's and, amazing. uh 
and then they yeah i'm just and and then they talked me into coming back and and uh because we we had left discord and we, we signed on a reggae label, label okay called, it was called ross records and oh, we were okay. like the first first rock act everything else was all reggae mm -hmm. <laughs> and all that they had like ikamas <laughs> I don't know if you were Ikemas. They had Ikemas and uh, God, who else? Uh, I think Augustus Pablo. They had a lot of the Studio One people. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they even did a little bit of Barrington Levy and stuff like that. I can't remember exactly, but anyway. But we were the only uh, only rock act that they had and hardcore at that. So, oh, yeah. so they didn't really know what to do with us. Uh, they the contract. Yeah, that's never good. <laughs> Yeah, and then like we ended, up, then they ended up like pretty much, you know, they had it. It was one of those contracts where if they weren't satisfied, they kicked us off, and we didn't yeah. really sell as many records as they thought we would. Mm -hmm. they, they didn't know how to market us, and uh, which, and but we were touring like crazy. Oh, that's good. And so I, then I got like sort of like, you know, I had some weird breakups out. I left the band in Europe and they came back home, found another bass player. That was like in 88. Then I got back. That was like early 80, was late 87. I got back in the band 88. Then I broke up again in 80, 89. <laughs> they were in LA. We were in, we we're in California. I think we we're in, uh, we're in the Hollywood Hills somewhere. In fact, I think Pete's sister was working at Tropicana and she was living in in this like sort of it was right beside Harry Houdini's mansion. Wow. In, okay. In Hollywood Hills. But they were it was like a really crazy place of like rock stars and like because mm. she was like one of those like uh like beautiful rock girls and and all yeah. those like, like all these great like rock artists were coming by because all these Tropicana girls there. Yeah. And they would come through there all hours of the night. And we we had actually been on tour and we I don't know, we had a month before we had another show and we had like 75 bucks or something <laughs> between the six of us or something. And I was like, and my and my my mom had just been diagnosed with cancer well oh, emphysema wow. my stepdad just had a major heart attack so i had to leave and when i left they stayed in california and dave joined nirvana of course mm -hmm. well, yeah so so we broke up in like 89 but then we we did uh and we were like sort of nobody everybody was pissed off at me <laughs> <laughs> Keep leaving. But yeah, it was like the second time. It was mainly about the first two times it was mainly relationship. Yeah. Not not in the band, but you know, like yeah. You know. Then the last time it was you know, my mom and after my mom, my mom passed in '93, mm. and those guys were pretty pissed off at me. Nobody was speaking to me for a long time. Oh shit. Yeah, they like you know for like two or three years. So around then, you know, for like two years. So around ninety one, 
after Nirvana, like, I hit it pretty big. After grunge happened. Yeah, and then yeah. grunge happened. <laughs> then, then, uh, then everybody was like, everybody was in a great mood, you know what I mean? Dave was making tons of, I think it's, you know, he's making great money, and and I was raised, I was uh, beginning to start a family, and, oh. and uh, so we sort of got back together, screamed it with just like, when we were just doing prompty shows with, with the original drummer. Mm-hmm. Cool. Because Dave, Dave was, and so we did a few shows like that, and Dave would, a few times Dave would come and uh, sit in and do a couple songs. Oh, that's cool. actually really pretty cool of them. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like really cool because like it's weird. We did this, we did a reunion show in '96 at Black Cat in DC. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And you know, and that's again, that's owned by that small circle of people mm-hmm. who are part of Discord. Yeah. It's like one of this guy named Dante and Dave had gotten together and they were like, they were like a silent partner and they bought this club in DC called Black Cat, oh. which is pretty big now, pretty infamous or famous now. And, right. And so I was living in Little Rock at the time, Little Rock, Arkansas, and they, and they oh, were like, wow. hey, let's get together and uh, do the show. And I was like, cool. It was right around Christmas and just like, cause Pete, cause Pete and Franz were living in California. I was living in Little Rock. Kent was still living in DC. Wow. Dave was uh with Nirvana, but they were they had just done it, uh they had just done a small tour and uh they just did the, the biggest tour, I think, just before Kurt did all the wacky shit. And they had a, <laughs> He's a always did the wacky shit, but <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so they had hiatus and Dave was in town. So we all converged and mm-hmm. and uh or played the Black Cat, and like Eddie Vedder was there. It was like all these oh. Seattle people were there. It was cool because it got got to me. I didn't really yeah. get along with Vedder too well. But... That's okay. Oh. Nobody really did. Yeah. Rest yeah. in peace, but also gotta be honest. Yeah. Oh, Eddie Vedder's still alive, isn't he? No. Rest in peace. Right? No. Eddie Vedder, Vedder is definitely still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Are you thinking of Chris Cornell? I was thinking of Chris Cornell. Eddie Vedder. One hundred percent still alive. Still alive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but he's hard no. to get along. Yeah, he he was hard to talk to. I don't know if it's hard. I was like pretty inebriated. He was like, <laughs> he's like not having. I was like, hey, blah, blah. I can see that from Eddie better. <laughs> I can see him being a very no nonsense person. Like, oh yeah, he was totally. But Pat, <laughs> me and Pat, that was like the first time I met Pat Smear. He seems and, like a joy to be around. Yes. Oh man, he was just he was just cool. We got along. Yeah. He got along like peas and carrots. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, he was a pretty great guy. He still is. Every time I see him, he's always very nice. But that sounds like a really nice show, even just that you guys all got together again and just like, fuck it, let's yeah. just play and have fun. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And they even got, it's a couple, it's like a recording of it somewhere, a live recording of that. Oh, I'm sure there is. There's, yeah, there's probably a few. It'd probably be cool to Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's Scream, yeah, it's Black Cat Live. 96, I think it is. Oh, it's shit. on pork records or something like that. Yeah, really I mean, and that's what I mean. This is it's been such a a ride. I mean, I mean, I don't think it's I was talking to Pete the other day and we we're t- talking, you know, about 
all the crap we've been through. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time. I'm sure you guys have been through quite the ringer. Yeah. Guys- oh, yeah. It's like, it's so bizarre because he's pulling out. The thing about Pete, Pete Stahl is like, his memory's not the greatest, but he remembers. I mean, he uh, like holds on to everything. He's got he, like, what do you call it? He's got like notebooks from yeah. when we wrote, like, oh, that's awesome. Lyrics. From tours, like he has a tour, the itinerary, the tour. All the memorabilia from everything yeah, you guys like have done. Crazy stuff, like this, and he, he's starting to pull out all these recordings. From, nice. Like, uh, the, you know, songs. You know, the cassette tapes that we recorded, <laughs> uh, just in practice, and songs. At it's least probably... thirty-five songs that we like never recorded. They're pretty decent. We. And we're thinking about like maybe going back and recording them. Yeah, yeah it's probably pretty helpful that he kept all that stuff. Because, yeah. you know, big it's fans great. of yours, I'm sure, would be super interested in stuff like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, like, you can, like, reinterpret it as yeah. you're a little bit older. You've had a little bit more experience. Oh, yeah. And that's so good. It's, it's like, it's really humbling and uh, satisfying. It brings a tear of memory. <laughs> sometimes i go but it's it's pretty sweet yeah yeah i wish i wish i could have held on we we're talking about it's like so many like all these songs it's like we remember the titles and we remember like the passion and but we yeah. can't remember more progression <laughs> it's remember not about that? that counts though but yeah i mean we got people going like there was this one song called what in the world and i remember it being like really just 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 a catchy little song. It had like some little like who sort of feel to it with a big <laughs> ending, big rock and roll ending at the end. And I'm like, damn it. I can't remember. <laughs> oh, can't remember. Can't like, remember I know the words that. Feel. Or anything. Just remember the chorus because yeah. it was just what in the world. <laughs> it's kind of like when you walk into a room and you're like, shit, I forgot what I came in here for. Yeah, you know exactly. Something important and you know it's in there, but you <laughs> yeah. cannot figure it out just walk around it, the whole house <laughs> like, my go- mom used to say it burns me up but you've been keeping busy too you released something not too long ago um your own solo album yes 2017 yes i released uh a solo the book of enoch in e minor that's right. I couldn't remember which which chord progression it was. <laughs> the E minor. I was gonna. See, e I was minor. trying to be deep because if you, you know rock and roll, it's E. This is it's like always e. e. It's always E. But if if you want, I don't know. It's like I think it's like it was a Chopin. It was all, when you always hear about these great uh, classical, you know, written yeah. is like Chopin and E minor. Yes, you know, <laughs> always something like. Or like C minor seven. I don't know. It's just um. <laughs> it just, I was like, dude, and I was gonna use the book of you know the book of Enoch just to get an immediate like so when people because I know a lot of people probably looked up the book of Enoch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought it was poignant, you know. Just makes just you feel different. like you have to put a pinky up a little bit when a you're listening bit. to it. Well, I'm always trying. See, it's where I have. I was explaining to people I don't really have a life, but I have this vast uh, imagination to. So I try to put a whole thought process behind even, even, even it's never totally completed. 
Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> I mean, sort of, it's sort of just hanging out there. But as long as it's there, it is. But it's a, it's a start. You got you know, you got to have a foundation. You got to start somewhere. Exactly. So yeah, so I was like, you know, my you know my engineer because it was just me and my friend Phil Schaefer, not D Phil Schaefer, but this a friend Phil of mine. Schaefer. <laughs> it happens that his name happens to be Phil Schaefer, and he's a great engineer and great friend of mine so he was taking a course of engineering in uh, california he had one of the home studios and he was like hey i'm taking a course and <laughs> and you know, i'm living out in san francisco and i'm going to a divorce and, so let's do and, this know, <laughs> so let's do this so we so it was great because i you know i was like again it was i was leaving my comfort zone and I was mm-hmm. getting it, you know, it was really cool to me because it's like went out there, didn't even have my own guitar. I just had my guitar was still, I didn't bring any of my stuff. Went out there, we rented a guitar, <laughs> didn't have an amp or anything. You just plug into, you know, we used the technology. So we were yes. just plugged in plugged into these, you know, what is it? Uh Pro Tools. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you get your pick of amps and you get your pick of like pedals you buy a pedal here on online i'm like i'm like didn't you know it's not the same but so weird yeah it's just so bizarre no amplifier i'm used to i was playing everything through earphones but i did a whole album and you know we probably did like 14 songs and ended up mixing mixing down and making 10 of them like presentable Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of difficult because I did them all myself. Didn't have a drummer, or you know, I was a bass player and the guitar player, and mm-hmm. of course, and but I did, you know, I only got in a couple arguments. So <laughs> that's not bad. That's only progress. <laughs> that's progress. But the thing is, I won them all. It was great. I won all the arguments. <laughs> did you Did you end up just going with like a session drummer or a drum machine or? No, just it, we programmed just it. It's crazy because Phil. Phil programmed it. I actually beat it out like what, the, you know, the beat the drum beat on the table. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He was like, got it and programmed yeah. it in. <laughs> and he programmed it. And I'd be going, what are you doing? He'd be like, just listen. Yeah. And it never, it started out like just sound like, start, it would always start off like somebody falling over the drum set. What the hell? That's not, that's not. And he'd go, like, shut up. Leave it alone. I get kicked out of that studio. Oh too. my god! I was gonna say, are you gonna take get a walk. kicked out of your own session? Yeah. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I got a program here. You got to help it. Oh. It was great there because I was like, when when I got there, uh, they just made recreation like marijuana mm-hmm. legal, recreational marijuana. Yep. So, so that's what yeah, he'd have me like, you know, goes shut up, just go online and order some pot or something. <laughs> Go on, like, go was, go to the dispensary across the street and just yeah. chill out. Get your shit well, together was, enough to go get some pot. It was and then so be awesome. Fine. That I, I mean, it was really awesome because it was just us two there. And, you know, once he had, like I said, he was going through a divorce. So once in a while, he'd have his kids, sons would come over and he'd have to watch them. But most of the time, you know, it was like a personal, my engineer, I knew the guy. 
Mm -hmm. So he, he kicked me out, of his, but he didn't really kick me out. He just be like, shut up and get out of here for a while. But it, <laughs> and like you do my work. Studios, yeah, with most studios, like, in the stream stuff, they'd literally, I'd get, they'd be like, dude, you got to be quiet, shut up. <laughs> but, you know, with Phil, it was just me and Phil, so we'd always bullshit. And oh. We had like, yeah, you know, came out with a pretty good, you know, product in the air, so. I would agree. Yeah. Huh. Have you heard it? Yes, of course. <laughs> like me. Yes. Thank you. I, 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 I was, I'm still like getting uh, used to, I mean, that's, you know, I'm still a dinosaur in respect to like <laughs> hard copy. Yeah. Used oh, to having an yeah. album, you know, <laughs> with pictures. And so that's our next step that we, that we've been talking about. Mary and I was like, yeah. Getting some physical copies. Physical copy, double link, I would double album, fold out so you can the seed. Yeah. But we didn't have seeds in it anymore. Back in the <laughs> back in the day, that's what we would do. The we times the they are changing. Album. Yep. <laughs> the times they are definitely changing. Weed is so much better. Oh wow. Yeah, we did do that. If you're still smoking you're still that skunky shit, I don't know what where what are you doing? Yeah. You don't have yeah. to anymore. Oh. <laughs> Get that good, good. Come on. No stems, no seeds. <laughs> we saw <laughs> we saw a video. Um, you sent it to me today for dogs. Oh yeah, of... Mary made it for Andalusian dog. Yeah. Very, very good. Very good video, yeah. Mary. <laughs> yes, no, it was really good. Yeah, um, well, I, it's a friend of mine who actually put it together, Mary was uh, I guess I did the photography and my other Oh good. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. It was like a collaboration collaboration of some of your stuff with some of uh fans, my friend Nate's uh who has a hot sort of like a video. He's an artist, another uh, he's like oil mainly. He's like actually a, mm -hmm. a painter. Oh cool. But he also does like video, he does a lot of great videos. Mm -hmm. And uh they just like one of those far out uh, artists yeah passionate guys he's really great uh so he, he helped us with that video and i really that's i mean that was like like i've never been a video person mm -hmm. yeah but that i mean because i'm so scatterbrained but uh, <laughs> it's sort of i mean <clears throat> i think video sort of limit, limit the artist I, you know a lot of times lyrics Mm -hmm. video really that video comes across well because the lyrics are like all over the place yeah but i, I like know. i like that the beginning had a really hard focus on the black lives matter movement mm -hmm. um especially right. with eric, eric gardner eric gardner um because yeah. we can tell that you're big into the blm movement and everything yeah. like that so Absolutely. so we yeah. wanted to know um how did you get yeah, if you thought if you saw in the video, it was like uh, it was a part where, where I go like with verse where it goes like a mother, a mother, and you'll see a body there. Mm -hmm. That's Fred Hampton when he was assassinated. Oh wow! By Chicago police, and it is the anniversary of is it his birthday today? That's really, it's an anniversary of his uh, assassination. Oh my oh, goodness! Wow. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, so. 
Oh. Rest in peace. Rest in paradise, Fred Hampton. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Black Lives Matter has uh, been, I guess, tugging on my soul for since uh, Trevor Martin. Oh, yeah. That, that was my first uh, sort of, uh, you know, I guess, inkling of even hearing anything about. And that that really just brought me. I was so outraged by that whole incident, and I've been involved in it in my own my own personal way, like trying not, you know, but definitely uh, because I've always been more peaceful. When Black Lives Matter, when I first heard that chant, and I took it the wrong way myself, like you know, like oh, a lot really? of people. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean because I took it. Because I came from a very volatile time, you know, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. I was very, like, a, you know, I was probably, like, one of the first uh, children that experienced segregation uh, or integration, mm-hmm. not segregation, but integration, when, you know, and uh, first wave of children. So still a lot of fear and things going on before, you know, uh, I grew up in the, like, I was born in 61. So I remember like in our, the projects where I lived at, like I said, my community, I lived at, we had uh, a black history, sort of, it was the Black Panthers actually, Mm -hmm. is what they were doing. And they would, and they, before school, before schools actually had start having breakfast in schools, right? Mm-hmm. You had the Black Panthers and people like it was. It was mainly the community, like right, uh, revolutionaries, because there was a huge revolutionary mu- movement that was starting, mm-hmm. in like the mid sixties, from like 66, 67, 67. You know, you had the Nation of Islam there too. So, and and they were both biding for the hearts and minds of young you know single mothers basically which my mom was uh working mothers and helping them along with their kids in the morning so Mm -hmm. they'd have you know so so we learned a lot of black history the knowledge uh and i think uh and hampton i think was murdered assassinated in 68 i think also was it no it was like 72 71 72 Okay, so yeah, so so it was like a series of things. So yeah, had Martin King sixty eight. Yeah, and then you know I think I think let's see, go back. Malcolm X I think was just two years before. I think sixty six, sixty five. You know, the sixty eight was very really volatile. You had Martin Luther King, uh, Robert Kennedy. Yep. I think all, all in the same year. Then you had the big uprising. You had you know Kent State. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, all that stuff. I mean, and you know, and so you, you grew know. up in a lot of really volatile yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, it was really crazy. I remember. I mean, I thought, and that's why it was. It was always. I mean, to me, it was, and it was all. And you know, then all the dis, dysfunctional shit happened. Yeah, amongst you know the nation of Islam and Black Panthers. Yeah, dissension amongst each other. 
Yeah, NAACP, the same sort of shit was happening. Yeah. Excuse my language. Oh, and, uh, go for it. It's fine. <laughs> so I was totally a revolutionary, I guess, born and bred, bred on that, and then seeing the dysfunction. Then you had the yippies take over. You had rock against racism. You know, the Reagan came to power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had hell, like, you know, you had, the only hope was like Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter, like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, and I remember, like, like, w- like in Lebanon, like again in seventy, after the students were hostage and Reagan came to the rescue, we had Rock Against Racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even before that, you know, it was just so much stuff going on. Mm-hmm. You had the people coming back from Vietnam. Oh yeah, my cousins were coming back from Vietnam, addicted to heroin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, shooting in the streets. It's like real high crime and, and, and poverty-stricken areas. Or, you know, so that's where, you know, Hendrix, Hendrix would say you have 70 Hendrix passed away. Like I said, I, I, like... It's a lot of stuff in a few years, in a short amount yeah, of time. Was, yeah. Oh, it was so... When much, you're such an impressionable age, too. Uh, yeah. It was, it was crazy. I remember... Even my mom, like at the time, the big, you know, the strongest woman in my life, she who worked like three jobs. You know, we had moved from the one place where she had, we had like the whole community mm-hmm. where it was just a house where my, my godfather owned. And, uh, you know, but then my mom, you know, she got involved with my stepdad and he didn't like that environment. So he wanted us to, to live. So we moved. To another apartment complex, and that's where you know, I met and got involved with, you know, the nation and also like the Panthers. Mm-hmm, and yeah. stuff, you know? and wow! It was, it was like a lot of stuff. You got, yeah. Even amongst blacks, it was this inner turmoil going on. Yeah. You know, because you know, we had you had the Negroes and the Afro Americans, and then you had the blacks. It was weird. It was like a month. You know? Oh wow! Yeah. Because I, I remember my stepdad was a total like, I remember even like between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Oh, that yeah. fight was going on, right? So you had the Americans, the American total, like straight Americans, the Negroes who were used to like the Southern and used to the white man. And now you can't, you can't, you don't want to mess with the white man. And mm-hmm. then you had the more revolutionary one, Muhammad Ali. There was like, you know. You know, so it was weird. I was always, I wanted Mama Ali and my stepdad, who I really respected, wanted Joe Frazier. Oh, <laughs> so that's even, a I point mean, of contention for sure. Go. Yeah, it was just crazy. So I, I remember like being, like now the world is so oversaturated with so much stuff. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like almost information overload, but it was just so, so much more. Like you're saying, like Discord was like, like the, the do-it-yourself like sort of mm-hmm. philosophy, but that came from having to do, you know, having having no choice know, but to do it yourself. If you didn't do it, yeah, no one else was gonna. If you didn't do it, you just went away and you become part of the norm. You saw people just going into like the uh, the corporate world, mm-hmm. this cookie cutter corporate world, and yeah. coming out from whatever direction you know the corporations or the right or the you know or the power to be even like 
people who are in the restaurant business, I think, you know, becoming that being more of a career with no spontaneity, everybody was about the dollar, mm-hmm. such a capitalist sort of society. So I don't know. So in comparison to to back then, how do you feel about like Black Lives Matter now? And do you feel like there's like a divide within it? Or do you feel like it's a little bit more cohesive? No, I think it's, I mean, that's what I mean. When it first started, I was like one of those stupid people was like, all lives matter. I thought it was some genius, you know. But then my <laughs> own kids, my own kids had it, had it like, this, but you gotta remember, this was like still like eight to 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I can't. Yeah. So, but now, but it's kind of, it's really disturbing to hear people saying it now who right. like totally had and thinking that Black Lives Matter is like, you know, communist or and or, and they're going to just take or just think that it's actually or anti white or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just totally, just exactly. That's the main thing anti white is like. And what is that? Some, or, that they're, they're communist or socialist or. And or and you know, and my whole point is like even when I argue with people, almost as you know, some well, I, I try to stay away from. But you got like right now, you know, socialists who cares? Like, you know, it's like for a long time, people's whole fear was like, you know, here we are, one world order. At this point, you know, <laughs> people are just about willing to try about anything. Let's try something different. You know? Yeah, just yeah, just like, try it. Promise yeah. it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. everybody's like, it was weird. There's so much division going. I mean, I'm totally behind Black Lives Matter. And, and I realized through actually searching through history without like the whole, the whole movement with, from even like Martin Luther King, the movement of, uh, yeah, what would they call that? So much information I can't even remember. The, the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement thank you very much you're welcome thank you thank you white lady oh my god you're welcome oh my god thank you white lady that's what i mean it's like the whole civil rights any way that i can help as a white lady actually the helpful white lady i mean that i mean but i think i said this to you man it's like at one point, it was like something was going down, and I think I think it's when, and I hate to say it, like in a jovial way, when the guy guy shot the protesters and oh, was that in Kyle Rittenhouse? Yeah. Yeah, oh, Kyle, yeah, Kyle Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse. Yeah, when he shot, I, I said, you know, I said, well, you know, I said now white people have gotten really hurt, so maybe they'll get even more attention. You know what I mean? Because I was like saying like how it's getting crazy with. The militias and the white, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and and I like I tell, and I really think if it wasn't for certain things that happened like that, that uh, maybe the vote maybe wouldn't even have turned out. Maybe blacks wouldn't have came out. I think people that like, came together, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, and I think also people as a nation came together during the civil rights mm-hmm. movement. And a lot of great, you know, things happened. Yeah. And, but at the same time, every time there's the action, there's the reaction. So it's going to be some negative, but I'm hoping that the Black Lives Matter move in the way it has it, the, the, the conversation will keep going, you know. Yeah. Still yeah. a lot of like rhetoric where people mm-hmm. are getting a lot of misinformation, but. Yeah. But at least. Yeah, because it's weird because I've seen people like 
it was a friend of mine on Facebook. Well, just a, this person I just met, a good person. And some incident happened in his neighborhood. Uh, it's like, he's white. Somebody in his family got attacked by the kids in, a near neighbor, in their, their mutual neighborhood. Mm -hmm. They both were black kids. Attacked the white kids. And I think they were they're somehow Black Lives Matter got mentioned in it. Oh, yeah. The, Always. And then, and then of because of the color thing. And then my friend, he was like saying, I don't, you know, saying like, I don't care. I don't know who the hell, you know, Black Lives Matter, but I'm going to protect my family, you know. It, it was like, and I almost reacted and hit him up, you know, on Messenger. But I was like, you know what? Everybody's got to have, you know, we've got to have an open dialogue and he's going to have, so it's going to be some real intense yeah. things being said, but then hopefully people have a conscience and they realize if they are good people, they'll realize what they said after. I've said a lot of things. Oh yeah, we've all, we've said, all said some terrible like, why did <laughs> yeah, I say that? Yeah. Yeah, you're stupid. I, I often think about you know, them as I'm falling asleep at night. Yeah, like, yeah I go, manure just ran from my mouth. Manure. <laughs> so I did want to, before we ended the uh, interview, one one last kind of question to ask, because I noticed when watching the music video, I'm like, oh, those are from Troy. And I'm like, right, he lives in Troy. How did yeah. you end up in Troy? <laughs> I fell in love. <laughs> Yay, enjoy Troy. <laughs> yeah, enjoy the Troy girl. Now, I, <laughs> I met, uh, and it's weird because uh, Mary and I, through happenstance, 25, 30 years ago, 30 years ago, 30 years wow. ago we met. Uh, again, I was already in another relationship with her, <laughs> and she was way younger. She, she, was, she was like a damsel in distress. She was stranded oh. in D.C. I was like 14. This just so happens to be the person who came to my rescue that day. I didn't realize it was him at the time because I was never a straight fan. How funny is that? Yeah, so she was in DC watching some band at 14 years old. And I'm 14. Thinking, oh my 14. goodness. And Those like, much yeah, and see, and you got to understand that DC at that time, it was the murder capital of, of America. You're Crack not helping her case here. Cocaine was rampant. Crap cocaine was rampant. It was Jamaican posse that was like leading DC murder capital. They were oh, killing God. people left and right. Uh, she was at, I think you were at not the old 930 Club, which is at 9th and F Street. Mm -hmm. Okay. And on F Street, it was nothing but strip joints and and you know, it's like, you know, what do you call it? Rated X, whatever, the dirty bookstores. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. It was like gay clubs. Like one side was like gay clubs, next one. Like male gay men, but mm -hmm. the next time is like you know butch uh, lesbians, and and so just like a burlesque, it's just and then drug, mm -hmm. drugs like like on both sides, whatever the street. Mm -hmm. But on on nine thirty, it's like right there. So she was like, it, like after shows, it was like a huge show. And after shows, people usually hang out for like an hour, and yeah. then it's just the people, it's just the uh, the lurkers or the, yeah. you know the hustlers. Oh, yeah. and hoes pretty much and this 14 year old girl oh my god and she's like yeah my ride left me i guess <laughs> see i don't really I, I vaguely remember it only because 
I ended up staying the whole night with her. My girlfriend at the time got so pissed off and went home. What are you doing? And she, I mean, and I didn't get home like because I sat there to pretty much. I took it to the back then. You had there was no like cell phones, Mm -hmm. like, and there was no internet, and there was so, and there was like, and try a black guy trying to get a cab with a little white girl. Oh my god. Impossible. I lived in the city at the time, so I didn't have a car. <laughs> yeah. we, had, we didn't have a car. Yeah. So we would just, you know, I would my my girlfriend at the time would use a hustle of cabs because she was white and she would hustle the cabs, but it's yeah. it's a little different when you got a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. Yeah. But she actually, I think if I if I remember right, probably my girlfriend got the cab and she dropped us off at the bus station. I stayed at the bus station with her until I think. He got me on the bus. He talked about it. Phone call. Yeah, made a collect phone call for. You know, oh, back wow, that's nice. Yeah, but it's crazy too because see, it's you know, in most bus stops, it's usually where the, where the pimps and the hoes are. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, it's gotta, just gotta like, make that money. Like, so I couldn't, I couldn't like just because there's a little like redhead, like the little white girl. Yeah. yeah. You know? Please, please don't touch this little redhead white girl. <laughs> please don't. Well, it, was just, it, was, it was weird because it's just like, you know, it's like I, like I told her, it's like, you know, she told me when we first started talking to you, I ended up here, she, she was telling me, do you remember? So I thought, and we've been, we had started talking, casually talking, kept talking, talking, talking yeah. for months and months and months. And then finally, I, I vaguely remembered it. And then I was like, finally about like, maybe about, Maybe about eight months ago, six months ago, I was like, I do remember. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I was like, I remember because I got in so much shit. Oh my god! For like doing that, and, I, and that was like, but that was like, you know, that's something you have to do. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was the yeah, right thing to do. Make sure one hundred percent the right thing to do. So were you guys yeah. just stayed connected throughout all those? We years didn't stay and- connected. Of course, Facebook is not like. Damn technology. Damn technology. <laughs> Damn that Facebook. And then she reached out to me on Facebook and you know, it started off innocently enough. And at first I thought she was like, I was like, ah, but then she, you know, she reached out and I was like, you know, I was I guess I was lonely. She was lonely. We we ended up I ended up here. She she, she oh. So you Mary was the, taste of nuts and honey. Mary was the catalyst <laughs> to bring you to all uh to Troy. Yeah. Well, she told me, she actually, yeah, she really sold Troy. It's like, this is a really great place. And I got here and she's so pissed. No, no, no. Troy's- no, she really sold Troy to like, and you got I'm, I was like looking, I guess, you know, looking for change right from the past, whatever you want to say. I just, you know, I wanted to, DC is a great place, but it's just so gentrified and so yeah, yeah. so many weird things are going on. So yeah. so and and then Trump, that motherfucker. Yeah, and, and, there's just you know what? There's yeah. no real reason to stay right now. I bet every yeah. time you walk out your door, you're just fucking pissed. <laughs> well, yeah, you would Trump uh, is president. The freaking thing is like, you know what's weird is like where I was living in Sterling, it's people it's such a paper chase. People or just after, it's just about money, and you could, and that's the trap. Like, but even as a laborer, I could make so much money there. Yeah. I never like, you know, I would just work. 
if you find the right contractor, you're just working. Mm-hmm. You're not even working hard and you're making good money. Yeah. But it's but it's so expensive to live there, so you yeah. have to keep you gotta you know, hustle keep, to be able just to live. Yeah, yeah. But here it's a little more relaxed and yeah. you know, Mary, you know, I was able to she helped me like getting insurance and stuff here. Yeah, and then and then well I didn't know it was going to be a, a pandemic. <laughs> we moved up the same week. I think it was like March 16th. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> March 16th, I think the very next week, yep. they're like, lockdown. And then I had to I actually had to go back down uh, to Virginia for like, I don't know, I went back down for like a week mm-hmm. and came back. And After then you that, had to stay like, in the same house, just the two of you, for yeah, we've been, 24-7. We've been, together, we've been pretty much 24-7, except for like a week wow. since March 16th. Wow. wow. And you're both still alive. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. We're both still alive. We haven't torn each other apart yet. You won the pandemic. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> you won Is this winning? Yeah. That's so awesome. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Oh, man. I like well, to thank the small people who made this possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, Troy is very happy to have you. And mm. we have been very happy to have you on our podcast this week. <laughs> thank you. And um, I forgot to mention, I'm sorry. It's, so, it doesn't it's, matter. It's she's, <laughs> she's helpful white lady and I'm the other one. Oh, it's Rock Candy Podcast. Rock Candy Podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> No, thank you so much for taking time out to chat with us and Maggie all Nash. that good stuff. Maggie, Maggie and I. <laughs> yeah, so close. I still like helpful white lady and the yeah. other one. I think, hey, she helped me with my civil rights. That's awesome. <laughs> you got you got it, you know. How can you go wrong? That, that's what like, we're here so, for. Oh, man. So is, there, is there anything on the horizon right now that we should be looking out for from you, Enoch? Well, see that's yeah, so many things. Uh, like Scream's got we're, we're talking about uh doing some recording in uh January nice. of the new year twenty twenty one. And hopefully we'll get back on Rebellion Fest in for twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. Yeah, let's and, get live shows back. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, that's gonna that's the main thing. And I've got I play with like I, I'm supposed to be recording my stuff to start recording on uh, for the next. Uh, it's going to be called Portraits of Grace. Nice. Uh, the next Enoch, my solo stuff, and I'm in I'm in two other bands. I'm in another band called Rise Defy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a band from uh, uh, Virginia now. We're going to try to do, well, we're talking about trying to do some virtual uh, gigs. Cool. And, That'd be nice. And, uh, and even do, because they're doing some sort of, uh, they're doing live gigs, mm-hmm. but I guess uh, with social distancing. Yeah, yeah. And, and so we're trying to do like things in advance of it. Probably be on springtime, things are going to pop off. Cool. A lot of, a lot of those things, just, but nothing in the near. And, I was going to, I don't know, it's a guy named Eddie Sutton we were talking about trying to do. He's he's the lead singer of a band called Leeway. Mm-hmm. And we were talking, he's a New York-based band. 
and uh, we were talking about trying to do some sort of like, uh, how do you say, like a duet. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, but more like sc- scaled down with just me playing guitar and him singing, me, you know, and yeah. maybe even Mary and I accompany her back up and maybe a Mary playing tambourine or something. Well, that would be nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> Love me some good that, tambourine. Tambour, maybe <laughs> triangle. No. <laughs> I'm trying to get her to play keyboards or something. She's got a great voice. I don't know. We're, we're trying to concentrate on like just uh, the oohs and ahs. And, yeah. And you know what? Like, you, it sounds like you guys are still creating and having your eyes set on the future which is honestly at this point with all the spicy times all you can do yeah absolutely yeah that's awesome well that's fantastic we are gonna keep hoping yeah we're gonna keep an eye out for all your stuff that's coming out we hope nothing but the best for you is absolutely time marches on (laughs) hopefully out of the pandemic yeah well they got the what they got the uh what is it? You got the antidote now, right? They got they're, the, they're talking oh, the, about the it. Vaccine, the yeah. vaccine. Fingers crossed that it works. Yeah. Well, you go first. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll let you know. <laughs> You'll no, be the you first. go. All right. Isn't that wild? How like people are gonna be like, Trump has like made so much doubt. I mean, I've always been a little skeptical on uh, vaccines. Anyway, like you know, when they get the flu shots, like no. no <laughs> I will not, but like now it's like, well, hmm. Well, maybe. Uh, Yeah, I would definitely do that. Yes. Thank you about it. Vaccine right away. (laughs) You never know. No. Yep. No. All right, sir. Thank you so much for the good times and the great conversation and the wonderful stories. Yes. Yeah, it's been so much fun talking to you. And thank you, Mary. It's been lovely yes, to talk thank to you, Mary. you too. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Kitty. <laughs> There's a cat in the background. I love it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll talk to you guys soon. And, and hopefully yeah. we'll run into you and Troy sometime. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But yeah. Definitely. That'd be awesome. We should like try to- Where's the meeting place at Troy now? Just virtual Zoom box. Yeah, for now. But when we can undo virtual Zooms, let's get together. It'd be lovely. Where do you guys hang out at? Everywhere. (laughs) Our (laughs) usual hangout is Rare Form. It's a brewery uh, on uh, Congress Congress Street. Oh, okay. Yeah. It is the one with the van. Yeah. (laughs) White Lightning. Shout out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, dude, dude. We, I was when I first got here. I was like, dude, that's the coolest fan of us. <laughs> yep, that's got them. Oh, got yeah, tapped we, on the side. Can't go wrong. Kids, yeah, no, you can't. Yeah, they're good kids. Yeah, yeah. All right, very cool. So right. it's been lovely talking to you. We'll see you lovely soon. To you, Stay okay, safe. Keep on trucking. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hope you guys liked it. That was an interview. It sure was. <laughs> that happened. And we are very thankful it happened. Same. It like, was a really good again. time. Go look up some music, uh, um, Screams music. Go. I actually spent a lot of the week listening to it. I have really developed a lot like, for hardcore punk this year. It's not bad. It ain't bad. It's amazing what doing this podcast will make you like. I mean, honestly, I <laughs> messed my Spotify in the best of ways. Yeah. And the worst of ways. 
But yes, go onto Spotify and also find Enoch's solo album. Yeah. What was it? The Book of Enoch the in book E of minor. E- the Book of Enoch in E minor. I should have remembered that. That's hard to forget. <laughs> we literally just talked about <laughs> we it. We literally just talked about it. But well, I drank all my brain cells away, so whatever. It's fine. <laughs> she didn't even get drunk. She's just drinking her brain cells. I at this know. Point. <laughs> it's fine. This is fine. Yeah. But anyway, you, hope you liked it. Yeah. Come back next week for the last episode of 2020. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. It's going to be a good one, though. It'll be a good time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll wrap it up again, guys. We're just trying to have a good time in the last month of the worst year ever. Yeah. Wrapping all these bows on this shit. Yeah. So put some little glitter. We're fine. Yep. It's going to be good. So we'll see you kids next week. And until then, party on Ashley. Party on Maggie. That was sad. Oh, there we go. That's better. <laughs> and party on you crazy kids out there. Bye. Thanks, helpful white lady. <laughs> I am helpful white lady. <laughs> it's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.